Blog Talk Radio. Of course, 
catch us here every Tuesday evening. All right, this is again Super Tuesday, and there's uh, obviously voting going on in, in many, many states, a big, big night for the presidential election, and uh, and already we're hearing some, some polls are closed and some victories already declared, but we're not going to spend a whole lot of time uh, talking about that because we have a special show for Super Tuesday, and I am so excited because I get to do what I like to do, and that is to talk to people. And I'm talking to the American voters today. I was able to get guests to come in and make their case for the candidate of their choice. Unfortunately, I was not able to get a Kasich supporter or a Hillary Clinton supporter, and that's not because I didn't try. I tried, but I'm telling you, whoever was supporting Kasich or Hillary Clinton didn't want to make their case on the air. But I do have a guest representing Rubio and a guest representing Dr. Carson, a guest representing uh, Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. So we have a lot of guests. So we're running on a, on a tight schedule. And I'm going to bring in my first guest right now who is going to, to talk to us about his support for Senator Marco Rubio. And uh, his name is Professor Wayne Bowen, and I'm so glad that he's here with us. Professor Wayne Bowen, thank you so much for joining me on The Right Voice. Thank you. Yes, I am glad you're here. And and as I was just telling our audience, you are a supporter of Senator Marco Rubio. And what I want to do is I want to, to give you a few uh, minutes. I want to spend a few minutes with you to just talk briefly about why you're supporting him. So I'm, I'm going to start with this. It, there was a crowded field of Republican candidates. I, I mean, I think 17 at one point. So how early in this process did Rubio win your support? Well, I was a, an alternate delegate to the Republican National Convention in 2008 for Mike Huckabee. So in my heart, I was hoping his campaign was going to take fire this time. Obviously, and it didn't. Um, I didn't. I didn't announce my support for anyone until after Iowa and and for me, Rubio was the was a was a relatively easy choice. I mean, I as I said, I was interested in, in Mike Huckabee. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've been interested in some other candidates. I think Rand Paul brought some interesting dynamics to the race. Uh, but I think Marco Rubio is the clearest um, candidate for me. I think he's his disposition and his values are closest to mine. And I'll be happy to go into more detail on that if, if you'd like. But I just was attracted mm-hmm. by his personality, his energy, and his chance to bring the party together and, and win November. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I and I also want to point out that uh, that the professor is also a councilman, so he's uh, definitely ha- has his hands in in the political arena. So yeah, I do want you to go uh, a little bit into to more detail about how he he shares your values, and I'd like you to kind of tie that in to why you specifically support him for president of the United States. I'll be happy to. So as I said, the, the dynamism, his ability to bring the party together, in looking at November's election, there are four goals that I have, and I think a lot of Republicans would share these goals. Uh, first, obviously, we want a candidate who's going to win. That's very important. There's so many issues in front of us. The Supreme Court, at least one we know of, perhaps two or three, um, trying to work to, uh, to reverse many of the things that Obama has done for the past seven years. So winning in November is very important. I think we also want a candidate who I can trust who will preserve the Constitution, who believes in limited government, who believes in the, the proper role of both Congress and the president. We also want someone, at least I want someone who can keep the conservative movement together, who can bring in not only evangelicals and defense hawks, but also secular uh, conservatives, but all, the, all the groups within the Republican Party. And then finally, uh, a bonus would be to grow the party. I mean, there's been a lot of analysis recently that if the Republican Party stays um, with the base it's had, it's going to eventually lose on the basis of demographics or some other problem. So I want someone who can bring in new people to the party without betraying our conservative ideas. So I, you know, I find in South Carolina that even though he was unsuccessful in winning that uh, that primary, the, the coalition of Nikki Haley and Tim Scott and, and Marco Rubio was a wonderful thing to see. And I think that future of the Republican Party uh, and, mm-hmm. and I think that Rubio is the best person to bring us together to expand the party without changing our, our fundamental ideology. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Marco Marco Rubio uh, 
Hispanic. You mentioned Tim Scott, obviously uh, a black a, a black senator. You mentioned Nikki Haley, uh, the governor of South Carolina, who's uh, of Indian descent. Is that a part of your? Is that a part of the equation in terms of um, growing the party? Has that figured in at all? Well, certainly, and I, I think uh, you know many Republican candidates ignore potential support in communities they don't think will pay attention to them. I think that's a big mistake, and so I think. Um, the fact that uh, Marco Rubio and, and Ted Cruz as well are both both uh, Cuban Americans, I think gives them that potential to appeal, um, and they can say the same things that someone else might say, but because it's coming from their position, I think they have more credibility in, in some parts of this country. Whether that's mm-hmm. fair or not, I think it's certainly true. So uh, I think growing the party is absolutely necessary, and we can't ignore whole parts of our population as some candidates would do. So uh, I think Rubio has the best chance of making that happen. He's obviously from Florida, a very diverse state, uh, and was able to win against the party establishment there um, and and have significant support uh, across that state, and, and I think we're now seeing across the nation. Now, Florida doesn't get to vote until uh, until March 15th. Do Are you of the mind that if if Senator Rubio does not win his own state, that he should be done? He should be out? I think I think this is a race unlike any other, um, and I think he will win his home state of Florida. I think the, the recent trends have been in, direct, in, in that direction. I think a lot of the support that, that Jeb Bush had, even though it was dwindling quite rapidly at the end, is going to go over to him. And I think, you know, the the next few days he's going to spend a lot of time at home, just as Ted Cruz has spent a lot of time in Texas. I think mm-hmm. Ted Cruz is going to win his home state tonight, and I think Rubio will will win his home state as well. So, um, I, I think I think he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let me let me bring this up. Rubio sometimes deals with criticism concerning um, the fact that he I shouldn't call it the fact that some people would say it's a fact that he is somewhat robotic. Um, that's one criticism he that's leveled at him, and then also that he tends to miss work a lot. He uh miss he's I guess he's missed more votes than any other member of the of the Senate. How would you respond to both those criticisms? Well I think the um I think I I want someone running for president to run for president. And that mm-hmm. I think the fact that Donald Trump essentially doesn't have to do anything else but campaign and the media has been giving him 80 percent of the attention means that any candidate who's serious about it needs to give as much time as they can to it. And honestly, mm-hmm. the presidency is more important than one Senate position from Florida. Uh, he's missed a lot of votes, but if he had been voting more often, he'd be even less competitive in the race. And Donald Trump will be walking away with it today. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think the country is important enough. We could live without some votes in the Senate. Um, and I want Rubio to be to be out there campaigning every day because it's that important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's an interesting, and that's one thing he says while well, I'm running for president. The, my only problem with that is that he was missing a lot of votes even before he was running for president, or at least before he announced it. Maybe he was, you know, running under the radar. Okay. My last my last thing here. We've seen a new Rubio recently. He has become the uh, he's become the attack dog, and he's gone after. Trump very aggressively, actually. And uh, what do you make of this new Rubio? Well, I uh, I was standing up and cheering at the last debate. You know, when for the past six months, the media has mm-hmm. been giving 80% of the attention to Donald Trump and people mm-hmm. like Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and honestly before that, Jeb Bush and Rick Perry and have been giving serious policy positions and press conferences and issuing detailed white papers, and they've been ignored. So clearly the only way to get attention from the media and from the American people is to be loud and to say things that are a little bit outrageous, but to have at their core, in the case of uh, Marco Rubio, absolute truth. And I think you see the same thing with uh, with Cruz as well, that they tried to be serious. They tried to be uh, level. They tried to take everything uh, at the highest level possible level. And the people who got the attention, the person who got the attention was the charlatan, the con man out there who was, you know, lying about both of them right and left, and and so I think that's the only way they could get attention. And I think you're seeing both of them getting a little bump in the polls. I think Rubio even more. So if that's the way it has to be, that's the way it has to be. Again, the country's important enough to make those kinds of sacrifices. I don't think it's Rubio's natural disposition to be that way. He's a very talented speaker, though, and he's been able to modulate in that direction. And 
appears to be working, mm-hmm. and and we'll see after tonight and and after the end of this month the long term impact. So it sounds like your philosophy is the end justifies the means in this case because the country, uh, because the country's working. Well, everything I've heard Rubio say, uh, aside from a few insults, is, is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is going after Donald Trump for things that Donald Trump said. Donald Trump wrote or positions he held or, or people's lives that he ruined, he's not making things up out of thin air. I don't think that's necessarily true of Donald Trump. I think he's, he's, he's indulging a lot more fantasy than Rubio is. And I think the same thing is Cruz, same thing is true for Cruz, that you know, they're both speaking truth to power in the case of Donald Trump, um, and, and they're doing it in a combative way, but it's necessary at this point. It's, it's too important to let things slide without addressing it. Okay. And my final thought do you believe that Senator Marco Rubio will be the GOP nominee? I do. I think I think we'll probably see a lot of victories tonight from Donald Trump, but I think we'll see his momentum slow. And as more of the states come up that are closed primaries, that are not as favorable to the demographics that are supporting Donald Trump, I think you're going to see Rubio gain a lot of momentum. Uh, and I think in the end, he, Donald Trump is not going to get a majority of the delegates before the convention. Um, I'm hopeful that Rubio still has a path to do that before the convention. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, I think people's opinions are becoming more negative about Donald Trump as they're becoming more educated about it. We'll see if it's in time. I hope it is. Uh, I mean, I cast my vote uh, for Marco Rubio already uh, since I will not be in Missouri on the day of the election, and I'm hoping that a lot of other people follow that example. Mm-hmm. Well, Professor Bowen, thank you so much. I would have to say that you did a good job making your case for Senator Marco Rubio, and uh, we shall see how it all plays out. I appreciate your time very much. Thank you for coming on The Right Voice. Thank you. Okay. Well, there you have it. We have Professor Wayne Bowen, a councilman here in Missouri, and uh, he has made his case for Senator Marco Rubio to be the next president of the United States. Now, we're going to move right along here. Because like I said, we have a jam-packed show. The number here again is 646-200-3715. The next uh, person that we're going to speak to is Chelsea. And Chelsea is a supporter of Dr. Ben Carson. In a perfect world, in her, uh, in her heart of hearts, she sees Dr. Carson as the remedy, the cure, excuse the uh, doctor-like uh, jargon. <laughs> she uh, she sees him as, as a cure for for what what ails America, and so I was able to actually speak to to Chelsea earlier on. So you're going to hear my conversation with Chelsea as she makes her case for Dr. Carson. Chelsea, thank you for joining me on the Right Voice. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so glad to have you on. And we we just have a few minutes, and I want to to give you ample opportunity in these few minutes to talk about Dr. Carson and your support of him. So, so I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, uh, Chelsea, why do you support Dr. Carson? Why is he your guy? My number one reasons that I support Dr. Ben Carson is because he is a proven man of integrity and he is brilliant. And those, those are two things across the board that people can't deny that he is a very, very intelligent person and that he stands um, for integrity and across the board that he's, you know, he stands for the same issues that he's always stand stood for um, morally and um, just just as as far as the the things that he supports, and so mm-hmm. those are my my main two reasons why mm-hmm. um, i I like him over some of the other choices that we have right now right I, I think something is really important that jumps out at me. You use that word integrity, and that's not a word we often hear associated with with politicians, oh, you know of course, Dr. Carson yeah. isn't a quote unquote politician. Do you feel when you look at the other people in the race or other people who have been in the in the in the in the race, whether Democrat or Republican, do you feel like there is a lack of integrity? Yeah, I think that I, I definitely think that in our in, in politics in general that that's just not something that um that is heard of anymore. And mm. I think that as far as uh even even some of our, you know, our other choices that we have um, for the Republican nomination, I feel like there's a lack of integrity and, and, you know, whether it's because 
they're a businessman by trade or a politician by trade, I think that they've been trained in saying whatever it is that people want to hear, whether mm-hmm. it's necessarily what they actually feel and what they actually think and what they actually believe. I think they're just feeding each specific crowd what they want to hear. And I don't feel like Dr. Carson does that because I feel like he stays true to his beliefs and he sticks with it. And so to me, he's a man of integrity, whereas the other people maybe, you know, not so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not hard to do. It's not hard. It's, that's not easy to do, I should say, is to, to stay above all the craziness that, that's going on. And yet even people who may not be voting for him do agree that he, he is a man of integrity. So I have to give you that. But I have to ask you, a few months ago, Carson was, and I, I mentioned this a few, just a couple minutes ago before I, I brought you in, I, I mentioned how at the beginning he was right up there behind the front runner, behind Donald Trump. Right. But but now he's, you know, he's down toward the bottom. Why do you think he slipped in the polls and, and slipped in terms of the primary voting down, now down to single digits? Do you have any idea maybe what turned? Yeah, I think that um, something that it's it's not an opinion that I hold personally, but I think that something that hurts him is his um, is his lack of fire, so to speak. I think that a lot of people um, appreciate some of the other candidates' gutsiness and boldness, and it and it may seem like he doesn't doesn't compete with that, and so it it seems it, he just he doesn't appeal as far as, as far as that go. And I think that people lose interest in him. I think that because he's not so mouthy and, and just, and kind of, he's not, he's not holding the, he's not holding the limelight at the um, debates and Mm -hmm. he he just seems to be kind of falling behind because he's not, um, I don't know the right word for that, but kind of like, his showmanship, so to speak, right, isn't, right. isn't holding because he hasn't he hasn't been so vocal. He's lost some of his traction and his momentum, and it's really hurt him in the race because other people have been very vocal. I mean, the last few days between Trump, Rubio, and um, Cruz, they've been all hmm. over the place with each other, and you don't see Ben Carson engaging in that as much, and so he stays right. out of the media because of it, and I think it's kind of hurt him. Mm. And I and I have to say that too because I'm one of those people. I like I like the fire. I like substance. I like the fire, and and uh, and he seems to he's so. But he as you said he's he's brilliant. He's a thinker. He's a brain surgeon. Right. So so he's you know he comes in more maybe more rationally and he's thinking before he's speaking. Right. But but I agree with you. I've heard a lot of people say that man. He just puts me to sleep. And uh, right. he he has been this this common sense voice. And I tell you what. In a situation right now this year where when you're watching these debates and stuff and it looks like a whole lot of playground nonsense, he he comes across as the adult in the room. But I'm not sure we're looking for that (laughs) in this election. Unfortunately. Now, now, aside from that, do you believe um, that he has what it takes to run a country? I mean, you would be comfortable with him leading the nation. I would be comfortable with him leading the nation because of one, once again, of the fact that he's brilliant. I think that he would sit down and look at whatever situation it is from a rational standpoint. He would look at at what needs to actually happen without having people talking in his ear behind, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think that he would look at things rationally. And I think that because he uh, is a Christian, I think that he's going to trust the leadership of Jesus. And I know that that sounds kind of, you know, it it sounds kind of off the wall to say that. But, yes, I, I do trust him. I, I trust his leadership. I think that he would make a, a great president if, you know, the American uh, citizens would give him a give him a chance to prove himself in that way. So, mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things I heard him say the other day was that, he has come a long way. There were things he acknowledged that there were things that were lacking that he didn't know, foreign policy and things like that, and he studied up. But he also said that he's smart enough to know that he would need to surround himself with right. the right people. And so, right. you know, obviously he building that. a real strong path. Exactly, exactly. Now, he's, he's determined to stay in this race. Do you think that 
And Super Tuesday is Super Tuesday, and a lot will be determined uh, on this Super Tuesday. Do you actually believe that that he could win, or, or are you just uh, saying you just saying that in in the best of situations, ideally you would like him to be commander in chief, but that you don't see a path for that now, or do you? I yeah okay so I um I would love to see uh Ben Carson pull away uh, Super Tuesday with a phenomenal response. Um right now I just I'm not, I'm not you know naive to enough mm-hmm. to think that that's what's going to happen. I don't think that his numbers show that that's what's going to happen. Um mm-hmm. and I I don't see it. I mm-hmm. I personally, if when I go to vote, Ben Carson is an option on that list. That's the name that I will be checking. But mm-hmm. I'm not I, I I'm not naive enough to think that he's gonna just sweep the nation by a landslide. So mm-hmm. it it is okay. what it is, I guess. Right. Yeah. It is what it is. Well, you know what? <laughs> I am so grateful for your input, and uh, I thank you so much for coming on onto the right voice. I know that you're not alone in supporting him. I know you're not alone in believing that that he has integrity and common sense and brilliance that could progress this nation. I'm of the mindset, as we end here, I am of the mindset that there are people got called to to run for office, but not necessarily uh, called to, they're not necessarily called to win, but the process yeah. itself is a calling. And uh, and he's been speaking and, and, uh, and standing up Provoke- and perhaps, say that again, I'm sorry. I said he provokes a thought process. Exactly. Exactly. And who knows what, what comes down the road. But for now it's been it's been good to see him in this um in this election cycle and to listen to, to what he has to say. And Chelsea it's uh, it's been wonderful having you on listening to what you have to say also. Thank you so much for coming on to the right voice. I appreciate your input. Thank you. All right. And that was Chelsea. And she gave her case. She made her case for Dr. Ben Carson as president, and she said, of course, she's not naive enough to think that perhaps he's going to come in and, and, and turn everything around. She she sees the numbers. She knows what's going on. However, she also says that, look, if his, if his name is on that list, if his name is on that ballot, that's the name that I'm going for. Now, some people would say that's throwing a, a vote away, and other people would say, you know what, that's standing up for what you believe and voting for the person that you, that you feel most comfortable with. So I don't know where you stand on that, but but um, I appreciate Chelsea sharing her heart and her passion for Dr. Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson, whom she describes as as brilliant. And I don't know too many people who would argue with that. Now, the call in number again is 646-200-3715, 646-200-3715. So we have heard from a Rubio supporter. And now we have heard from a Carson supporter, and we're moving right along on on the right voice. I, I love this. I love hearing from the people. I, I love giving people an opportunity to make their case. And we're going to do that. We're going to continue to do that. My next guest is Rye Albright, and he is a Bernie Sanders supporter. And so I'm going to bring in uh, Rye and allow him to talk to us about why uh, – why, um, Bernie Sanders is his is his choice for commander in chief. Rye, I thank you so much for joining me on the Right Voice. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. Now you've been listening to uh, to my other two guests, and uh, and so I, I just want to know where where you stand, Bernie Sanders. Now he is um, the candidate, and he is taking on presumptive nominee Hillary Clinton. So I'm going to just throw this out there. We know that that Sanders identifies as a as a democratic socialist. Are you a socialist? Uh, well, the misconception there is that socialism is associated with what we had in the Cold War because you associate mm-hmm. socialism with communism. So mm-hmm. when he clarifies that he's a democratic socialist, he's just saying that he is similar to FDR. He believes in socialist principles like uh, social security, the highway system. Um, not that he's, you know, hammer and sickle going to take us back, you know, to the Soviet Union days. So mm-hmm. that that's not really something you can use to describe him. Okay. Uh, we just have to use his words, which are democratic socialists. That's what you're saying. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is a, a misnomer there. Like that's why he typically tries to clarify it, that he is a democratic 
socialist. It's just a fancy title for someone who believes in certain principles that he's espousing. Okay. Now, are you are you a Democrat though? Uh, yes, I am liberal. Okay. Okay, you're a liberal. All right. Well, I'm I'm glad to have you. We don't, you know, we we don't always have liberals joining us on on the show. Not that I I don't want to open it up for that, but but you know, it is the right voice. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you're that you came on, right? Now Sanders, um, has drawn a lot more attention than many people believed in the beginning that he would. Sort of like sort of like Trump. When people have have said their names in in the same breath, Sanders has surprised people. He's drawing large crowds, larger than Hillary Clinton. So I have to ask you, what is it about him, do you think, that has garnered him such support? In other words, why do you support him? Because I'm going to assume that, that the, the same thing that's drawing you is what's drawing other people. Um, from, from my position, it's because he, he, put, he casts a light onto issues that for the past three decades the United States has just let just sit. If uh, we're going to call ourselves the leader of the free world, then how is it that out of the 34 most developed countries in the world, we're dead last in healthcare? How is it that our education system is straddling all of our graduates with insurmountable debt? How how is it that the richer you get, the less money you have to put back into the system? Why is it that they are getting a loophole when you have people that are burdened with debt, um, that are in poverty, that they're having a harder burden? So he's able to connect to minorities, to young people, to um, people who historically don't vote. So when you pull the young masses and when you pull the growing minority groups that are within the U.S., it's how he's able to get these huge crowds that are able to actually go out. I'm just in Texas, he pulled 10,000 people in Austin just this past weekend. So, I mean, and they didn't expect that. They had to delay the rally. Um, whereas if you look at Hillary, there's just a disconnect. You know, it's quite ironic that the one of the oldest candidates in the race connects the best to the youngest demographic. Um, right. So honestly, now, that, that's really it. His issues are just. Yeah, I'm glad I'm you brought sorry. that up because you know, that's okay. You no, know, I'm sorry, but I, I I'm glad you brought that up because there has been much made of the fact that here he is in his 70s and he's attracted the support of so many young people. I guess not unlike uh, Ron Paul had done. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that people say is that young people are drawn to him because he talks so much about free stuff. Do you do you agree with that? Do you take do you take uh, umbrage at that assertion that it's about free stuff that young people are um, interested in these days? I think that anyone is interested in free things, but again, you have to take this with the right perspective. Uh, the things that he is talking about are not he's not giving handouts you know for everyone to get free money he's not giving everyone a free house what he's doing is providing what he's doing is talking about providing health care a basic right um something that if you look at any of our peers within the western world the uk switzerland sweden australia germany they all have they're able to do if you talk about education um how is it that i'll use myself as an example i went to london one of the most expensive cities in the world paid international rates and it was still cheaper for me to get my master's than it was to do it in the United States. So how, how can we, how can we exist in a system like that um, where we're like this, this anomaly? So when he talks about free things, he's not talking about just giving handouts, which is what, which is what most people will point out and saying that it's, it's just, you know, like a grab game. Um, he's talking about basic rights, education, healthcare. Um, I mean, how can you, how can you deny something like that to someone when we have so many people in the United States that go without a college education mm-hmm. and go without insurance or, or healthcare? Well, I, I hear what you're saying, but I have to ask you this: you call you call them rights. I would say though, why is it my responsibility? Because obviously, there's no such thing as free stuff. Somebody has to pay for it. So. Why is it my responsibility to pay for, say, your college education or your health care? Okay. Um, it's not I mean, it's it nice if I want to do that, but I'm saying why is it my responsibility in your mind or in Bernie Sanders' mind, if you might speak for him, for, for me to do that? Yes, ma'am. Um, it's not your responsibility, but what is the core desire out of the presidential race? It's to elect someone that's going to better the country. 
Um, so how can we continue to better our country with an uneducated workforce, with, uh, with, with a, a population that can't receive basic health care, with um, any, any kind of a workforce that can't even receive jobs? Like you, you sit there and you have people that won't retire because they don't want to lose their pensions, and you have a younger workforce coming out of college who can't then get jobs. Uh, to get into the workforce. So it's not that it's your responsibility to pay for someone else. It would just be your responsibility to maintain and better the country. And if someone wants to say that, well, I'm having to pay for his education, um, the same burden is placed upon every single citizen of the United States. And the way that Bernie wants to pay for this, the way that his policy is set up, is it's, it's, it's not going to put the, an insane burden on anyone. Actually, most of his... Uh, the taxes that he's looking to do are based upon Wall Street speculation, based on uh, taxing corporations that are moving money offshore, are based upon um, lifting the maximum tax. Uh, right now, I think it's around a quarter of a million, and after that, there's not a higher tax to raise that so that uh, people of substantial wealth are taxed the same as people that are in poverty. So mm -hmm. how can you tell me that these issues are unfair when he's just talking about leveling the playing field tax-wise. Hmm. Leveling the playing field. Well, that's an interesting. Okay, well, you know, um, I really appreciate your perspective, and I have to say that we may fundamentally disagree, but I, I, I have to say that it's certainly, I can't, I certainly can't argue that um, that you don't, that you haven't done your homework and your research. I would just have to say that we may just, we may just disagree on philosophy. But you clearly seem to know what you believe in and why you believe it. So my last question for you here is, are you supporting Sanders here? This is Super, this is super Tuesday, right? So are you supporting Bernie Sanders, Senator Sanders, with the belief that he can actually beat Hillary Clinton? Or is this a principled standalone that you're taking with no expectation of victory? Um, I believe that's a difficult question. I know Because I believe <laughs> if... if Bernie is able to rally actual masses in a similar manner that Obama was, he could win. Mm -hmm. But with the Democratic establishment, Hillary is the presumed winner because she is garnering the superdelegates within the party. And she has the super PACs Bernie won't take money from, and she has the party elites backing her. So mm -hmm. it is all contingent upon whether um, minority groups and young people actually do go to the polls. So up until this point, I haven't seen any results for Super Tuesday. Uh, I'm waiting until they're all closed, honestly. Mm -hmm. But it, it's on the air, honestly, at okay. this point for me. Okay. All right. So you're still hopeful. Um, I appreciate you uh, making your case for uh, for Senator Sanders. I appreciate your 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 passion and um, and again, there are a lot lots of people on on the right <laughs> on the right side who who disagree with you. But um, but I respect the fact that you are not just you don't seem to be going on on emotion alone. At least you seem to know what you what you believe and why you believe it. So, Rye, thank you for joining me on the Right Voice. I really really appreciate it. Oh no, thank you very much. Okay, all right, take care. Okay, that was Rye Albright, and uh, he obviously supports Senator Sanders for for president. And he, he gave us the made his case for why. All right. We're going to move right along, but I want to take a quick break in case you want to grab a drink of water or something for about 40, about 40 seconds here. Um, and I will be right back with our next guest to talk about Senator Ted Cruz. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we are liberated from our own fear. Our presence automatically liberates others. Okay, again, you are listening to The Right Voice. I am your host, Adrian Ross. The call-in number is 646-200-3715. We've had an opportunity to speak to Professor Bowen about Senator Marco Rubio, 
speak to Chelsea about Dr. Ben Carson, to speak to Ray Albright, uh, Albright about Senator Bernie Sanders. And now I am going to welcome in my next guest who is going to talk to us about Senator Ted Cruz. Her name is Shannon Grady, and uh, Shannon is a Ted Cruz supporter. Shannon, thank you for joining me on The Right Voice. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be on The Right Voice. Yeah, I've enjoyed your great. show so far. All right. There's there's a lot of information, and people really do feel strongly about the candidate of their choice. And so now is your opportunity to talk about Senator Cruz. Now, the GOP field has narrowed. It was obviously quite crowded. So my first question yeah. is for you. Yeah, my first question is: Did did Senator Cruz win your support before the field thinned, or did he have you from the beginning? Um, he actually won me over uh, during the debate process. I, I was not a Cruz full supporter at the beginning, but what I will say is he was in my top three um, from the very start. And then just through due diligence, looking at his positions on the constitutional questions that, that are important to me and the conservative questions, and, and I'm an evangelical, so you know his, his stature as a Christian was essential to my decision to support him. But uh, again, he was not my number one pick um, from the beginning because I was open. And I looked at my top three, and uh, ultimately, once I had time to examine his positions and his record, uh, there was just no question he was the best city candidate uh, for president. You, you know, you mentioned something about being an evangelical. So what, right now, he's losing some of the evangelical vote to Donald Trump, which is a surprise to many people. What do you think is going on there? Well, uh, I'll give you my my personal experience with that. Um, this is this is not to necessarily criticize or lump everybody into the same category, but <laughs> the Republican Party has angered a lot of people, and I know everybody's heard that that expression. People are angry. My father is seventy four years old. He's never voted before. He voted this year for the first time in his seventy four years of life, and he voted for Donald Trump. Even though our family is a very strong evangelical family, my mother's been a Sunday school teacher for 30-plus years, et cetera, et cetera. Um, even though I explained to him vehemently, listen, this guy's not a Christian. This guy's not who he says he is. He, you know, he's a fraud and all of these things. And I, I didn't just say it. I showed him video clips of, of Trump's own words. And my dad was just like, nope, I think this guy, he's the guy. You know, it, It's like they want somebody to go out there and say the things that they would never say publicly themselves. Um, mm. And the same is true with other people that I've spoke with in in the church community that I'm in. It's like for just for 20 minutes they've just lost their mind and they've decided that you know what I'm just going to forget for just a moment that he's not a Christian and that he's not really supporting my positions and I'm going to vote for him because he's saying all the things that I want to say even though I'd have to go repent for those things if I did say them. I, I don't mm-hmm. know how to explain it to you than to say it's mm-hmm. that it's a phenomenon that right but they don't okay. realize that they're basically setting their house on fire. To try to you know kill an infestation. Right. Now I understand as a Christian myself, I understand um, I understand how that guides my voting. You know, I don't separate my vote. You know, my vote from my my Christianity. Uh, it's important to me. Right. So I can relate to that. In addition, however, to your faith, what and, and the fact that Cruz is, is a man of faith. What else is there about him that makes you feel that he is qualified for the most important job in the world? Well, the most important um, job in the country, I I say, I should say, other than being a parent, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Um, For me, given that, you know, even before we lost Galea when he died, I think it was obvious that we're going to be replacing some Supreme Court justices. Mm -hmm. And there is nobody who has a resume that even compares to Ted Cruz's resume. I mean, I have a, a family member whose dad actually took a case to the South Carolina Supreme Court, and that is considered like a really big deal that you know, a lawyer actually presents to a state Supreme Court one time in their life. Mm-hmm. Ted Cruz has presented to the Supreme Court, the highest court of the land, not one time, not two times, not three times, but nine times. And he's won arguably clearly two of those and, and arguably five of those. Um, that's impressive. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he clerked for uh, Chief Justice Rehnquist. Again, there is nobody who could know more thoroughly how our Supreme Court system works and the importance of uh, picking a true conservative to serve in the Supreme Court. Now, he's been hit by Donald Trump because Donald says, well, you know, you supported Roberts. 
And Cruz's response to that is the only response he could have. He said, I wasn't the president, and had I been, that's not the person I would have nominated. But given that that's who my party nominated and the other option would have been something much less um, conservative had the Democrats put somebody forward, it was the best that they had to offer at the time. So, of course, he supported it. But, you know, even he in recent, uh, you know, in in Obamacare case and uh, the same-sex marriage case, Ted Cruz has come out against those positions that Roberts has supported. So he's never wavered on his conservatism or his constitutional views. He's never wavered, even if it appeared that, well, he supported this guy first. Yes, but he's made clear he supported him, but we all thought he was going to be a a conservative justice. And we were all, I think, stunned when he upheld the Obamacare mandate. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't think we can club him over the head for that. And I think there is no doubt that given a choice between the top three candidates, we have Ted Cruz, uh, Donald Trump, and Marco Rubio. Of those three candidates on the Republican side, there's no question that Ted Cruz is the best suited to pick the next uh, probably two to three Supreme Court justices. Uh, Donald Trump has has made the point that his liberal sister judge would be a great Supreme Court justice. Just saying that is ludicrous. Mm -hmm. The woman's an extreme liberal. One one thing that you that you mentioned, and I have to wrap up here, but one thing you did mention is that um, that he doesn't he doesn't waver, and and I think that people who've paid attention know that that he you know he is conservative. I don't know how many people would argue uh, that uh, with his conservative uh, creds, as they say, but the never wavering, you know, Donald Trump has pointed out, for example, that that Ted Cruz has not received one endorsement from his fellow senators, you know, and Donald Trump calls that that, that a shame. What Briefly, what is the deal with with that? Is he too rigid in the fact that he doesn't waver? Why isn't he receiving endorsements from the people who work with him every day? I think the biggest reason why is because he really is an outsider living inside Washington, D.C. He will not Mm -hmm. bow down to the GOP. And that is exactly what we wanted when we joined together as Tea Party conservatives and said we're going to send guys to Washington that are going to do what we want instead of giving us lip service. Well, we put a guy in office, Ted Cruz, who will do that, and, of course, he's upset the apple cart. All the mm. other establishment uh, Republicans are saying, well, who is this guy? I mean, they're calling him wacko birds and other things, but the things that he stands for are the things that we push to have our representatives stand for. So, of course, he's, he's, he's changing the course of uh, how the GOP is going to function, and I think what Ted Cruz has done was the first slap in the face to the, to the GOP to say, hey, you guys better wake up. And mm-hmm. now what they're getting, because they didn't wake up from the Ted Cruz's of our day, they're getting the Donald Trump, which is like the backlash to, listen, we sent you a, a principled conservative and constitutionalist and Ted Cruz. You didn't listen to this guy, so now we're going to send you the wrecking ball, Donald Trump. So mm-hmm. I think that's the reason why Ted Cruz doesn't have any friends. You know, when Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, stood up and said he wasn't friends with Ted Cruz, I thought, well, my goodness, I wouldn't want him to be friends with you. If he was friends with you, I'd be concerned about his friendship. <laughs> um, well, I, I hear you, I hear your point there, and you, you make you make a good you make a very good point that um we sometimes you look at it like like uh, oh he doesn't have any friends, but lots, sometimes you you make enemies just by standing up on principle, and that 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 makes uh that makes some sense too. My final question, and I got to run. Just give me one one answer here, and I'm looking at the. I don't know the answer to, to, to Texas. I don't know if that's in yet, but I know some of these uh, uh, races are, are wrapping up here and they're calling them. But do you believe that Senator Cruz will win Texas tonight? I believe Senator Cruz will win Texas by 10. He'll win Oklahoma and possibly Arkansas. I okay. think he's going to win three states. Okay. Well, you know what? In fact, he's just gone ahead of uh, Trump in Oklahoma. He's now taking the lead in Oklahoma. Okay. I was I was I turned over and glanced at the television there. Thank you so much, Shannon. I really really appreciate appreciate your insight and you did a a great job making your case for Senator Ted Cruz for president. Thank you for joining me on the right voice. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Okay, so that was uh, that was Shannon Grady, and we're moving we're moving right along. Uh, we have Sue Lynn. Sue Lynn is my next guest, and Sue Lynn is going to talk to us about the front runner, Donald Trump. And actually, he's been mentioned uh, several times as I've talked to other people. And so um, let me let me go right to to Sue Lynn. Sue, I want to thank you for joining me on the Bright Voice. Well, hello. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Well, you have heard what everyone else has had to say as they have made their case, and now you join me on the right voice. And uh, I just want to, again, remind people of of the number, 
646-200-3715. And sometimes we do go over a little bit. We go into what we call overtime. So um, so I just wanted to, to have you keep that in mind, uh, listeners, as we hear Sue Lynn. We have um, plenty of time to talk to Sue, though. Sue, I'm going to just put it to you right, right, right out. Why do you support Donald Trump? Well, I'll be really honest with you. I was always a big Sarah Palin and still am a supporter of hers. Mm-hmm. And involved with uh, Sarah Palin's earthquake movement as a volunteer, and I still am. I'm not speaking for them or on behalf of them. I'm speaking for myself. There's a lot of people that have different folks that they have got behind, but they're still supporters of Sarah. And the thing with um, Sarah is, in a way, when she was introduced to the country, she made us all aware of our own voice. And when we were, we seen her attacked for being uh, just a, a great American, and she was a very accomplished woman. We felt the hit too because we felt like they were attacking us, and it woke up a lot of people. And okay. it, it it brought a lot of us together where we probably would be talking today if it wasn't for a Sarah Palin coming on the scene and and awakening a good share of the electorate because, um, to be honest, a lot of people, and yes, I'm a Christian, I'm an evangelical, but a lot of people in church just don't vote. Half the people don't vote. And a lot of the power that we have just, I've always voted. But, you know, you've got to be honest, there's a lot of people in church that half of the people don't vote in the country. So, you know, so it, it, it started making sense, and I've been following her and listening to her and learning from her, and I've been on the ground volunteering, and when she made the announcement that she was supporting Donald Trump, I knew that I, just from following her and knowing her as a person, I, I consider her a friend, that she put a lot of prayer into it, she had good reasons for it, and so I, I hadn't even listened to an entire Donald Trump speech until she endorsed. I've heard snippets. Okay. All of that. All right. So, so I was that's, that's listening a, and checking into uh-huh. it, and that was the main reason I started checking into Donald Trump. Okay. Was because so of her, her endorsement. And you know, people people say all the time, do endorsements endorsements matter anymore? And I think that you're you're saying for you it did because of the trust that you have for her. You trusted. Um, it, it was enough to make you look into him yourself. But I have to exactly. ask you this. Do you consider him a conservative? No, I don't know. I know he, he you got to look at, um, the, the, I think people confuse sometimes their faith with the job. You know, um, just like, you know, Dr. Carr said he's a great guy, you know, and if you had a brain tumor, I'd want him to take it out. I wouldn't want mm. Donald Trump to take out a brain tumor. But uh, he is in business, and he is um, self-funding. And when Sarah gave her historic speech in uh, 2011 on crony capitalism and how it's funded and how it goes in one big circle, these, you know, they fund it and they're taken care of and they leave you and me out of the process after they get in office, they just they forget it. You know, you got to, I had, you know, it took a, she's been educating the electorate all these years while they've been in the establishment and the rest have been trying to take her down. She's been educating the electorate. So we understand what big powers are at play here. And we have to understand that these trade deals, the TPP, all of this, those trade deals affect every American because we will lose every job. We're losing jobs at such a rapid and, and you see Donald Trump as the answer to that? I do. Of the ones that are running, I do. Because he is surrounding himself with uh, people that are the best and the brightest. He knows how to get a job done. You can't do what he's done. And, he, and he's been audited 12 years in a row. And you can imagine if there was something amiss that it came out by now. Um, but you're going to you're the power structures that be are so frightened because the gravy train's about to stop. They're not going to get greased. They're not going to get the paybacks. Always follow the money. Remember when we, you know, when we learned about Watergate and they always said follow the money. Well, when the money is touching every senator and the donations, they feel obligated to give back, you know, to uh, do what they want, and they forget the American people. They leave you out. They leave me out of the process, and 
Sarah understood that, and I believe that's a, one of the another big, big reason. And the trade and the jobs, we all want the same things. We all want we want borders because we want to keep our country. You know, we want to be safe. We want a safe place for our kids to grow up and our grandchildren. We want jobs. So the jobs, you can't even you know you can't do any of it. You can't have a house. You can't pay your bills. You know, we want mm-hmm. basic fairness in government. We want people that do something wrong to go to jail. You know, we don't want them to be running the streets and running the government and all the things that they're into. So in my my biggest, my biggest uh, I'd say, the big thing for me is the money. He's self-funding. He won't owe it to anyone. Any, you know, I got a mm-hmm. favor. And so, you, know, and, and so you see him. And so you see him as someone who is not for sale. Is that right? That's right, and Sarah was never for sale, and that's why they blocked her every step of the way. She would have ran if they would have, you well, know, let her. Well, let's just, let's just kind of, on well, perhaps that is, that is so, um, and, and who knows what will unfold eventually, but let, back to Trump, though. He has, uh, just my final question as we wrap up, he has very, very high negatives, and, and most polling indicates that he could not beat Hillary Clinton in a, in a general election. How do you, how do you address that? I, there's selective polling out there. There's polls that say he beats her. Uh, there's mm. other ones that will pop up, and they say, where did they get that? When you see the crowds, and he's, you know, there's four or five times people going in and voting that weren't voting Republican because he's in the race. You know, there's a lot of things that are going on that when you see Hillary, and they barely got a crowd. You know, they got 35,000 people and 20,000 and so on, and every time he takes a stop, there's this way huge amounts of people we need that kind of draw and he's pulling people like i love diamond and silk you know Mm -hmm. these two gals on you know youtube with uh they're just wonderful and you know they're drawing democrats drawing republicans i I live in michigan and there's a lot of democrats here okay and they're you know the auto industry and so on and these guys they're they're voting uh for trump you know he's getting a lot of trump people Mm -hmm. there's just I'm just really surprised. I'm in Michigan, and, you know, the polls are showing them way, way, way ahead. And everyone, I talk to young people, they're just crazy about him. They've been to his uh, – he's been in town already, and they've been to his things, you know. He well, you, will be able to get the thing, get the job done. And, you, you know, people call him high maintenance, and I know I can understand some of that. But you got to remember, he's been in first place just about from the start. So that's true. And all that. So he's been in the middle class. He's been taking it from every angle. So he he waited till someone drew first blood before he had returned fire. Do I agree with everything that he says and does? No, but we have to be real and we have to find somebody that can win and we have to remember these trade deals and we got all the other senators right. that are running now are for those trade deals and those are going to cost a lot of jobs in this country. All right, Sue. Thank you so much. Um, I, I have to, to wrap it up, but you 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 covered a whole lot in in a little bit of time, and I and I really appreciate that. And you have you've made your case. I mean, um, he had he's the front runner, and he's racking it up right now on Super Tuesday. As I glance over at the television, and we'll have to see how it how it comes down uh, down the wire. I mean, it's it's uh it's either like they either love him or they or they despise him. Not too much, just in the middle there, and and uh, and he is, I, I have to say, as you said, drawing people from, drawing Democrats, drawing, uh, looks, you know, independents, oh, wow. drawing that's Republicans. At least that's that's what it seems to to suggest. But thank you so much for making your case thank for you. Donald Trump and joining me on the Right Voice. I appreciate it very much, Sue. You're so welcome, and it was an enjoyable. I loved hearing everybody. It was great. It was great. Oh, yeah. Have a great day. And I, and I enjoyed hearing you. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Well, that was Sue, and she made her case for for uh, Donald Trump. So we've heard from so many. The only two, the only I didn't get to, I didn't get to hear from a Kasich supporter. I tried to find one, or Hillary Clinton supporter. I tried to find one, but I do have a caller. So maybe somebody is calling in now to talk about Kasich or 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 Hillary Clinton. And we are going to run shortly into overtime. We're going to run into overtime for just a few minutes. So so hang with us here. We have the the opportunity to hang on just a little bit longer, and we're going to do that so I can take this call. All right. So, um, caller, you're with Adrian Roth on the right voice. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are uh, you? All right. It's Super Tuesday. So, 
With whom am I speaking? What's your name? Uh, this is AJ. This is Ed. Oh, and, Ed. Um, I and um, I'm out of Florida, but anyways, uh, I'm kind of more of a uh, either a Trump or Cruz supporter. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I don't want the establishment in there. Although I still think that if Ru- that Rubio is going to be, uh, be appointed through a, a broker convention. I've been saying that since October, and mm-hmm. I see still see that writing on the wall. Wow. And he is, I guess, recently spoken about that possibility. Yeah, well. I mean, well, I, I've been talking about it to people since October. I said, you know, Rubio don't have to win any states. He just has to, you know, keep uh, the other two from getting the majority of the votes. And then once it gets, goes to the first round and the delegates are free and there's a lot of backroom dealing and, you know, who knows? Who knows who they're going to put in there? So you're, you're, it sounds like you're still weighing your decision between Donald Trump and and, uh, and Ted Cruz, and you're in Florida, so you have two more weeks before you have to vote. What is it going to take? I'm glad you called because I had actually offered for an undecided person to come on, and, and, and actually I am one of those people. I'm undecided still. Um, but what will it take for you, Ed, to make up your mind in these next two weeks? Uh, I want to see how Cruz does tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really, you know, I want to see where he's at. And uh, I prefer Cruz because he's more constitutional. But right. at the same, but at the same time, Cruz is, you know, he got a lot of uh, problems. I mean, first he's a Cubanadian. You know, his daddy was Cuban. He was born in Canada. I mean, you know, well, these are going to definitely. Be yeah, I don't think I think that's something that Donald Trump grabbed a hold of. I, I think that it's clear that um, that that won't be well, an issue. But it's never it's never been tested. It's never been tested. Well, you know, the Democrats the Democrats are definitely going to bring it up. I mean, you know, and it's going to be hit at them. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. already fighting. I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's an issue. Uh, another thing, he, he has a little bit. He could be a little nicer at times. He gets a little tough out there. Um, he could be a little nicer. You know, I you mean, he like gets a little mean. Be, Cruz, like he could be a little be bit. Nice? I would like him better to be a little bit nicer. You know, I mean, a little bit more. But, I mean, I, you need to have a little bit of roughness and hardness there. I don't know, man. I don't, I that's just, that's that, interesting. I, I don't mean to challenge you, but he seems like one of the nicest guys out there. I, and I, I don't yeah. think well, I mean, I, I, I despise Rubio, and I don't want Rubio to get in. I still think he's going to get in her backroom door. I hate what he did with the Gang of Eight. I hate where he's leading our country. You know, I mean, he to me, he seems like an empty Bush suit, and that they filled with some kind of body. And, you know, Bush dragged him along through Florida from while he was in the state house and then the state senate, and then they primed him for the state senator job. So I'm just not – you know, I really – I, between those two, I have a hard time picking. I mean, Cruz is definitely more constitutional, so I lean to him that way. But, you know, I mean, it's like I want to see where the people really feel like they're at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the so people in America, you know, seem to be going for Trump. Well, um, I guess you, you know, at the end of the night, you might – know more about where you're where you're leaning you'll certainly you'll certainly get a bigger picture as will i uh as well yeah so um i appreciate your call ed thank you for uh thank you for tuning in to the right voice and and mm-hmm. taking the time waiting on on hold and then taking the time to share with us your thoughts i appreciate it all right okay god bless you all bye. right god bless you bye-bye well there you have it what a pack night and, and and a night that I absolutely love because I love hearing from I love hearing from everyone. I love people making their cases and you know there's something I was a I was an an English language arts teacher for almost uh, 18 years in New York uh and until until what the end of 2013 taught 7th grade students and there's I always had a classroom where our 
you know, we were in a, in a horseshoe. I, I don't like rows. We sit because it's like a conversation. We're in this, in this horseshoe and, and I'm facilitating the conversation, but we're all a part of the conversation, you know? And uh, I've had students who would joke with me and say, man, I, I love this. It feels like therapy, you know, as we discuss literature and discuss different things. And uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that when you, when you open your mouth and speak, it brings clarity. Even things that you have going on in, in your mind, as you give voice to them, it just becomes more real as you hear yourself say it. And so there's something about speaking what you believe, whether it's in a, in a classroom setting at, at seventh grade or whether it's as an adult when you're discussing the candidate that you support for president. There's something about listening to other people, true, and then there's also something about giving voice to, to what you believe, and uh, that brings clarity as well. I just I just pray that we're never so rigid that we can't listen to other people as well as speak. So I get to do both here on the show, on The Right Voice, and so I'm very blessed in that. Normally we end the show with happy news and, and wacky news, but we have gone five minutes into overtime, which is wonderful. So I am going to pass on the wacky news and the happy news. If you want to see some wacky news, I, I guarantee you just tune into the debate on Thursday night, the Fox debate. I bet there'll be a whole lot of wacky going on on Thursday night. All right. And so there's plenty of wacky and, uh, and there's always, there's always happy news. There's always good news along the way as well. So thank you for tuning in. I, I consider this particular broadcast, a special one for super Tuesday where I got to hear from my guests. I want to say thank you to uh to Professor Bowen, thank you to Chelsea, thank you to Rod Albright, thank you to Shannon Grady, thank you to Sue Lynn, and thank you to Ed who called in and thank you to all you listeners um for being tuned into the right voice and thank the Lord for for all of his blessings. Thank you, Jesus. So have a wonderful night everyone and I will catch you next time on the right voice. All right. God bless you, and God bless America. Something like this. Whoa.